Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Well, good morning. I hope everyone had a good Christmas. Doesn't sound like it. Uh, I know I enjoyed mine. I had family in from town or from out of town, and uh, it was just a great time to be with one another. Uh, but as soon as we get past Christmas, this crazy thing happens. Everyone starts talking about the new year. We don't sit in Christmas and we don't enjoy it quite as long as we might choose to. Uh, and if you haven't already been inundated, you soon will be, because as soon as you turn on your TV. As soon as you turn on the radio, as soon as you go on Facebook or whatever news site you happen to go to, someone somewhere is going to be talking about resolutions, about ways to improve yourself in the new year, about strategies for making sure that your resolution doesn't fall off. And it's good and natural uh, that we begin a new year looking for fresh starts in many aspects of our life, uh, but it's most important that we figure out how to make them stick, and especially make them stick when it comes to our faith. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about some resolutions that you've made throughout the years that actually stuck. Think about the ones that didn't just start out strong and quickly fizzle, but the ones that actually made a lasting impact. Think about what made those resolutions work and others fail. See, because I know for me, the times that I've been able to make a clear change in January and have those changes stay with me for more than just a couple months, it's because I knew what the end goal was. I knew what the win would be. I knew the parameters were clearly set and the win was definitely defined. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to challenge you to take up a resolution. I would say the most important resolution you can. One that will absolutely change your life in every aspect. It'll make you better in every way possible. You see, what I want us to do is I want you to either renew your faith or build a faith for the first time this year. You see, the language I'm going to be using for much of this morning will reflect someone who's been a Christian for a while. It's going to reflect someone who's been maybe in the faith for the last 20 years. But whether you've come to faith 20 minutes ago or you've been here for 20 years, the language and principles always apply. And so we're going to look at what it takes to renew or have new faith today. But before we dive into the word, I'm going to ask that you join me in prayer. Father, as we open your word this morning, as we look to make much of who you are, as we unpack your truth, would your words be clearly spoken? Would the words I speak not be mine, but that which you would have for your people to hear? Father, as we continue this morning, would I become less and would you become so much more? Would your word cut where it needs to cut, where it heal where it needs to heal, but would it go out the way you intended? 
So Father, as we continue in worship this morning, be with us. So what does it look like to renew faith? If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to Colossians. We're going to stay mostly in Colossians 1. And as I prepared for this morning, it dawned on me that I could have picked anywhere in the entire Bible. That the, the three things I really want to communicate to you can be found on every page of Scripture. So I have the daunting task of summarizing uh, the entirety of the Bible out of one chapter and in 30 minutes. It should be fun. But we're going to look at Colossians 1, starting in verse 10. And Paul says there that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. And as we look at those verses, uh, the one thing that jumps out at me is that faith is not something that we take hold of as an object, uh, but it is something far greater. You see, it is not just an object, but a manner of living. Paul is exhorting his hearers to walk with faith in a manner worthy of the Lord. You see, faith is not a way into the kingdom. Rather, it is the lifestyle of the kingdom. Faith isn't a free pass to get you out of trouble with God. It is not a hoping for the best. Faith is your belief in God being expressed throughout every part of your life. How we live says more about what we believe than our words ever will. And faith is a reflection on what we think about God and His promises. This means that it can change and that the pages of Scripture will confirm this idea that faith is not static, rather it is dynamic. It's meant to grow and change. And the fact of the matter is this, it's either growing to greater strength and health or towards atrophy and death. So what can we do to renew our faith to see it grow? There's a man much smarter than me, and his name is Pastor Art Azudia, and he comes uh, to us from Portland, and this is what he has to say. Your faith instinctively strengthens in direct proportion to the expansion of the object of your faith. You expand your understanding of the object of your faith, and faith itself will obediently follow. The object of your faith, if indeed you are a Christian, is Jesus Christ and all of his promises. Is your faith weak? It is owing to the fact that you do not know the object of your faith well enough. But when Jesus Christ becomes progressively bigger, or better yet, your understanding of who he is is progressively conformed to reality, your faith will become increasingly stronger. But how does this happen? By immersing yourself in the faith-arousing Word of God. Read of Jesus Christ, the same powerful Word that long ago brought the universe to life is the same Word that can bring you to life and furnish you with a faith that is truly and authentically Christian. Art has it right. Our faith is renewed by centering ourselves on who God is and what He has done. 
Do you want to renew your faith this year? Renew your understanding of who God is. Not what culture thinks about God, not what you think you remember reading about God, but what he says of himself in Scripture. This year, in order to renew your faith, magnify God in your own life. You see, if you go down a couple verses in Colossians to verses 15 through 20, you will see what it looks like to magnify God. To live a life that honors God and magnifies Him, we do something like we see in verse 15. And it talks about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And like I said earlier, we could have spent our time in any passage And the message would be the same. God is meant to be magnified. We are made to give God glory. To marvel at Him. To look at Him with wonder. To be filled with awe at who He is. Think about it. This is the God who created everything. From the deepest part of the Marianas Trench to the vast expanses of the universe. From the microscopic bits and pieces of you and me to the peak of Mount Everest, there is not one place where God looks and does not see his own handiwork. He's the one who walked with Adam and Eve in the garden before sin and the one who covered them in in their shame after sin. He was in perfect relationship with them before and promised that that relationship would be fully restored upon Christ's return. He is the God who, if you speak, if you don't speak, the rocks and hills will shout out his praise. He's the one whom the stars day and night declare there is a creator. He's the God who pursues his people. They reject him and he pursues them. They belittle him and he pursues them. They abandon him for images of created being and he pursues them. He stepped out of heaven, became like us, that we might have unrestricted access to him. His Son intercedes on our behalf. His Holy Spirit indwells us and conforms us to His image. He is God. He has been, He is, and will continue to be forevermore. This magnifying, this marveling is small. We could spend all day proclaiming the works of His hands, His attributes, His millions of kindnesses to us. But you see, until you and I hold this kind of view of God in our own lives, our faith will not grow towards him. Until he becomes first, our faith will always be sidelined and growing in fits and spurts. So if you want your faith to be renewed, magnify God. Make him first in your life. Study his word. Spend time learning about your beloved Learn about what he likes and what he dislikes. Learn of his character and his attributes. 
Learn that he would desire that you stop making light of your sin. Because that's the second principle we see throughout Scripture. The second part of renewing your faith comes by intentionally dealing with your own sin. You see, we have to stop minimizing our past sins and current sins. Colossians 1 verses 21 says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He's giving a brief description of who we were before Christ. And realize that this is meant for all of us in this room. We were all hostile and alienated doing evil deeds apart from God. You see, we naturally want to reduce our sin because we want to think that we aren't as bad as we really are. We are radically depraved. Not that we are as bad as we possibly could be, but there is not one part of our life that is not tainted by sin apart from Christ himself. You see, after faith, we think somehow, after we we grab hold of faith, we think that our sin no longer matters. And in one sense, that is very much true. Christ's actions on the cross sufficiently covers all of our sins. However, this does not mean we should invite sin in and make it a roommate. We are not called to become friends with our sin. You see, we need to recover the biblical understanding that sin is active in the same way that faith can grow, sin too can grow. Whatever we spend time with, it will grow. Spend time with your faith, it will grow. Spend time with your sin, it too will grow. Sin, your old nature, your flesh is constantly trying to do one thing, convince you that it really isn't all that bad. Recognize this for what it is. Sin is trying to ensnare you back into slavery to itself. Sin actively rewires our hearts and body to feel only the euphoria that comes with engaging in it. Drugs, sex, alcohol, workaholism, pornography, pride, affairs, you name a sin, I guarantee you this, it's twisting you to itself. You're not its master. It is capturing you and making itself Lord of your life. Each one of them comes with a great feeling as you engage in it. Drugs brings great euphoria from what I'm told, but it makes you desire it more and more. Sex in its proper understanding is good, but when it's perverted and brought into the light of sin, it becomes something it shouldn't. Your body desires to keep on having that rush Workaholism does the same thing. The ability to accomplish makes you want more of the attaboys you get from those around you. Each and every one of them brings about a good feeling, but it is always rewiring who you are. You see, sin is the devil's tool to make you doubt God and elevate yourself to his position. Sin is constantly trying to tell you that you aren't that bad and that you're pretty close to God. You see, we must realize that we aren't buddies with sin. It is not an old friend to be welcomed. Sin is death. 
and we must wage war against it. Thomas Watson, a Puritan pastor, says this about sin and how we should think about it. A holy heart detests sin for its intrinsic pollution. Sin leaves a stain upon the soul. A regenerate person abhors sin not only for the curse, but for the contagion. He hates this serpent not only for its sting, but for its poison. He hates sin not only for hell, but as hell. This is far different than the message we typically send about sin. You see, often we try and make ourselves and others feel better about the results or things that have happened in sin. And this is dangerous for us because when we minimize sin, we don't realize the truth of what it is. Watson continues and says, Sin is a piece of desperateness. In every transgression, a man run apparent hazard of his soul. He treads upon the brink of the bottomless pit. Foolish sinner, you never commit a sin, but you do that which may undo your soul forever. He who drinks poison, is it a wonder if it does not cost him his life? One taste of the forbidden tree lost Adam paradise. One sin of the angels lost them heaven. One sin of Saul lost him his kingdom. Do you take sin this seriously? That one sin could cost you everything. Do you recognize that it is not something that you should welcome with open arms? This is not the way of the, the life of the kingdom. We should not enjoy sin. We should hate it the way Thomas Watson told us to. You see, if you want a renewed faith, think about your sin this way. Realize the direness of the situation and then go live in grace and celebrate in glory. What a marvelous thought Paul picks up after verse 21 where he's reminding us of our hostility towards God and our own sin. And then in verses 22 and 23, uh, listen to what he says. He has now reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. You see, Paul is a, he's not just alluding, he's telling you Christ is fighting for you. Christ has made a way for you to be near to him. Christ is fighting with you and for you. The Spirit is calling you to holiness. And when we remain firmly rooted in Christ, when we magnify God and understand sin for what it is, we know that Christ is fighting on our behalf, that his grace is enabling us to move forward. You see, his grace is greater than sin. So as serious as sin is, his grace is far greater. And the truth is, he's already won. You just have to wait to experience the completeness of his victory. So we live in grace and celebrate in glory. And understand that the point of grace is not just to cover sin, but to actively root it out of your life. When we look at grace, 
One of my favorite parts of Scripture is Ephesians 1.6, where Paul describes grace as being glorious grace. He uses this modifier that grace is not just grace, but it's glorious. And Thomas Brooks, another Puritan pastor, wrote this, grace and glory differ very little. One is the seed, the other is the flower. Grace is glory militant, and glory is grace triumphant. That is possibly my all-time favorite quote outside of Scripture. That grace is glory militant and glory is grace triumphant. You see, it perfectly captures what happens in the Christian life. You see, when we live in this grace, it is empowering for the believer. It is a reminder that you aren't going at it alone. That where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Grace of Grace is actively working to make us look more like His Son. The Bible describes grace as uh, coming like wave upon wave. And so if grace is God being His glory militant, this grace breaks upon the rocks that are the strongholds of sin in our life and will break them down. Whether in one day or many years, grace will find victory. And it will turn to glory. You see, uh, what we need to do, in, instead of just thinking that our sin is serious, we need to realize God has overcome it. We need to hold them both in proper understanding that there is not one part of your life that God is not actively working to bring under control and into conformity with his image. God is actively working on your behalf to make you look like his son. And so where grace goes militantly, glory follows triumphantly. And if you don't think you've experienced that, look back at what God has done in your life. See where his grace has covered you and see where his glory now reigns. That is the call of the Christian life, that we are to live in grace and celebrate in his glory because we are never doing it alone. We never fight this battle on our own. And if you haven't seen the victory, I promise you this, you will. Might not be today, might not be tomorrow. It definitely probably won't be on your time. It will be on his time. And sometimes that means the other side of eternity. And that too is good. Because when we survey his glory, here's what, ha what happens. We then magnify the Lord. And we fall into this cycle of magnifying the Lord and seeing our sin for what it is and living in his grace and his glory and doing it all over again. This will guarantee you a different year in 2020. If you want a life that is full of fruit, if you want a spiritual life that is not on life support, that is not anemic, if you want expanded faith, this new year, spend your time magnifying him. Let your understanding of God conform to the reality of who he is. Read his word. Spend time with him in prayer. Live in his glorious grace, knowing that if you mess up today, his grace is sufficient to cover you tomorrow. There is no end to his glorious grace. It will keep coming it has not once failed and it never will. 
Even when grace wasn't understood in the Old Testament, His grace was being poured out upon His people. So live in His glorious grace and remind yourself that sin is not meant to be minimized, but held as an enemy of your faith. If you do those things this year, I guarantee you will see a different life. It might not be the one you expect, but God will do something with you. You give him glory, he will honor himself. He will change your life to look like his son, which is the call of the Christian life. And we're going to continue this morning by magnifying God in song. Ed's going to come back up here in a moment. But if you need a renewal of your faith this year, would you pray with me? If your faith is brand new, would you pray that God would build it according to his Bible instead of your standards? If you are taking sin lightly, would you pray that God would do something different and cause you to, to take it seriously? To recognize the gravity of what it is. And if you aren't living in grace, if you are ashamed of what you have done, would you recognize that God is good and he does not care? He is bringing you to himself. He, just, he wants to cover your nakedness just like he did with Adam and Eve. He wants to cover your shame with himself. He wants to sacrifice on your behalf that you might share in his glory. So if that's you this morning, would you join in praying? Praying with me. And here's what I'm going to say. I think all of us can find ourselves in one of those three points. So join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. Father, thank you for your word that has gone before us. Lord, thank you that as we survey scripture, we see that you magnify yourself and you invite us into worship of you. Lord, where we have made light of our own sin, would you break our hearts for what it has done to us? Would we recognize that it is not just an annoyance or a thing that we can overcome, but it is antithetical to who you are? Father, would we pursue you above all else? And Father, would we live in glorious grace, knowing that no matter what, it will cover us. That your, your grace will cover all of our sin. That it will find victory on our behalf. That it goes in front of us. That it marches with us. That it comes behind us. That it does only that which you can do. And it gets glory for your namesake. So Father, as we move into 2020, would it not be just another year where our faith is weak? but would we spend our time honoring you with all that we say and do and would our lives look radically different? Father, be with us as we continue in worship of you this morning. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.